So my name is Ruth and I'm going to be continuing our Disciple Making Community series where we've been going through and looking at different values that describe our culture as a church and that we believe passionately in. And today's value is we pray. So I think the word's going to come up on the screen behind. I'd just like to read that to you. We pray. In all circumstances, we know our Heavenly Father delights to hear our prayers and to provide for us. We're growing in the disciplines of prayer and fasting to become more like Jesus. I want to give you a little snapshot into uh, my prayer life over the last um, week or two. Saturday mornings are one of my favourite times ever, and I tend to invest a lot of um, effort into being in my pyjamas and having a dressing gown and making some nice pancakes and getting the maple syrup and the bacon all on the go. And this is a real joy for me. Um, except for last Saturday, it was less of a joy. I'd had one of those weeks that you can um, identify with, where there wasn't one thing in particular that had gone wrong, but I was absolutely cream-crackered. I felt like that um, elastic band that's been stretched and stretched and stretched and held and held and held until it was about to go ping. Just every little thing that I tried to do just didn't seem to be working. Work was tiring. Relationships were frustrating. It just seemed hard. And so I was kind of grumbling to myself and to God until there was this kind of provocation. This thought came into my mind of, Ruth, are you, are you quite finished yet? <laughs> and that was the snap. That was the snap. I turned off the gas. I sat heavily down in my armchair. I've got a rocking chair in there. I think it's great. Um, and out it all came. And I poured out my heart to God. There were tears. There was snot. There was anger. There was frustration. No, I'm not finished yet, Jesus. I am frustrated. I can't believe that this isn't working. I'm trying to follow you on this, but it seems so hard. Why is this so difficult? Why is this not working? And out it all came. Mess pain. It wasn't a pretty sight. And I don't hold that up as a paragon of a perfect prayer life. But I do, I do hold it up as a bit of a glimpse into the wonder of how we can pray as Christians. Because as Christians, we have an invitation to pray amidst our mess. And it's a place where mess can meet majesty. Because at that moment, as I poured it all out to God, he came and he drew alongside me. He came and stilled the turmoil in my heart and he brought comfort, a touch from heaven into the raging seas of my week. And that's something of the wonder of prayer as a Christian. And we're going to look at a really familiar story in a moment from the Bible, which kind of sets up the whole reason about why we pray and also speaks into some of the, the reasons why we can find it difficult, our struggles and our feelings around prayer but also something that will give us a glimpse into the wonderful invitation that Jesus has for us this morning to come to him, to pray to him, and to get caught up with him on his mission. So I'm going to read from Genesis chapter 1 and then also a bit in chapter 3. So I'm starting from Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Um, if you've got a Bible, feel free to, to follow along, otherwise it will come up on the screen behind me. Genesis 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. 
and God blessed them. And then jumping forward into chapter 3, at verse 8. And they heard, they, Adam and Eve, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said, where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? We see right at the very beginning of things that God was there as a creator. But before he even became a creator, he was there as a one God, Father, Son, Spirit, a wonderful community, loving one another, perfect, not in need of anyone else or anything else to complete him, but perfect. And then God said, let us create. Out of that love, out of the overflow of that loving community, he created man. He created all that we can see. He didn't need anyone to keep him company. But he made them for relationship, to know him. And this wasn't some kind of like distant big brother experiment, some kind of entertainment system that God was going to peer down from heaven and look into. He actually wanted to be with us. So we see in chapter 3, it talks of God walking in the garden with Adam and Eve. Now the verb in there talks about habitual walking. This wasn't a one-off occasion. God used to walk in the garden with man. He'd talk with him. I kind of imagine um, the conversation, um, once they kind of got through the, the, how are you doing, what are you thinking, what are you feeling? I imagine they'd kind of get onto the topic of the work that Adam's been given to do, this kind of kingdom that he's got to um, organise and, and work out. How's the myrtle going? Do you think we should grow it up here or should we grow it along the ground? What are you thinking? What are we going to do about the zebras? What sort of, what sort of area of the garden are you thinking is, is right for the zebras? They spent time together. They spoke to one another. See, it's so important when we come to think about prayer that we remember that we were created on purpose. We pray, we pray out of a place of relationship. We were made to be known. We were made to enjoy our Heavenly Father. And He delights in us. We don't pray to a distant, far-off God only. We are taught by Jesus to pray our Father in Heaven. To call to mind in those first moments of prayer the fact that, yes, He is glorious and He is mighty and He is so beyond us, and yet he's also our father, and he delights in us. Do you realize that? Do you realize the delight he has for you? That he created you on purpose. I love Psalm 139 when it, it talks about how he knit us together in our, our mother's womb. How he hems us in behind and in front. How he knows every tongue, every tongue, every word that is on our tongue before we say it. So when it comes to prayer, it's not that he needs any information from us. He knows what we're going to say before we say it, but he wants to hear it. Hey, Ben's been away for a few days of training, and I guess when he came back and saw Emily and the kids, um, I guess he wanted to know how their week had been. And he will have asked her. Just imagine if Emily turned around and said, well, here's my phone, have a scroll through the photos, that kind of gives you the, the main gist of the week, and I'll fill you on any details you're not sure about afterwards. That's not the point. Ben's not necessarily after information. He wants to see the look on Emily's face when she describes the funny things that Noah did. The moment that made them all laugh. Or the frustrating bit that made them all want to pull their hair out. Because it's about relationship. He's interested. And that's the same for our father. He really wants to hear our voice. He really wants to hear your voice. Not because he needs to know stuff. 
And not because he's lonely, not out of obligation, but because he loves you and he delights in you. And he wants to hear your voice. That's kind of why we pray like we do at Grace Church. You may have joined us for a few days of prayer and fasting the other week. And, or even from this gathering this morning, you'll have got a flavor of it. That when we come together, it has a little bit more of a feeling of a kid's party than a somber meeting. And that's because we come confident as children into his presence. So it feels a bit messy sometimes. Different people pray out. And they haven't been tipped off beforehand. I mean, sure, we could all write down some really nice things that we wanted to pray to God about, hand them into Rick at the start, and Rick could word them beautifully in one big long prayer to Jesus. I'm sure he'd do a great job. But that's not the point. Our Heavenly Father wants to hear our voice. It's why we do that strange thing sometimes of uh, everyone um, praying out together. You can't hear what anyone's really saying. There's such a big din. But our Heavenly Father does. And it thrills his heart. Because he made you on purpose. And he made you to be known and to love you and to enjoy him. So we come first and foremost out of our relationship with our Heavenly Father. That's how, why we pray. That's why we come to him like that. And it gives us such confidence as well. When we come with a need, when we need a provision for a job, wisdom for a difficult situation, courage to come to him. When we need healing, when we come to him as our heavenly father, we can be confident that he delights in us, that he loves us and he will provide for all of our needs. So we come to our wonderful heavenly father, but this is quite a different picture, you might think, to um, what's described about in prayer, maybe in other religions or uh, friends that you've got who describe it in a different way. It can sometimes seem like you have to appease God if he's angry or please him by impressing him, by praying often that somehow he'd be cross with you if you haven't been praying. Well, I had an experience of living um, with a, a, lo- a lovely Muslim family for two years abroad and the, just the joy of spending time with them was so great. And they had uh, hilarious questions that they used to ask that you'd never get asked in England. You know, you'd meet people and you'd get the, um, what's your salary? Um, why aren't you married yet? And have you prayed today? How long have you prayed? What did you say? Um, how often do you pray? <laughs> all the things you just don't get asked in England at all. Um, and they were really keen to know and they really cared about whether or not I was praying enough because we got to love one another and know one another, and they were really concerned for me. Because I would carry on eating my breakfast while the mum of the house would get up and put her prayer mat out and go through the physical um, rituals and go through the, um, the, the spoken words that she'd memorized off by heart, and she'd do that five times a day, every day, day in, day out, day in, day out. Trying to please God, trying to be good enough. See, this kind of prayer, it kind of feels a little bit like you, you, you sat there with a sort of kid's bow and arrow set, and you're kind of trying to shoot prayers up to, up to the clouds, up to heaven. But you're not, not really ever sure whether they've reached there. My friends were never sure if God had heard their prayers, never really sure if God was listening. And our story gives us a bit of a clue as to why that is. You see... We see that Adam and Eve, they disobeyed God. They disobeyed him by eating the one fruit that God had said was not for their good. They went their own way, just like we do every single day. And the Bible calls it sin. 
And it takes this perfect relationship that we were created for, intimacy with the Father, and it breaks it. It creates a vast gulf between us and the Father. It creates an impenetrable ceiling between us and him. You see, we find that Adam and Eve hiding in the bushes, knowing instinctively that now they'd sinned, they'd disobeyed God, they could no longer come into his presence. And so they were banished from his presence. But wonderfully, a few verses later, there is one that is promised to come. And there is one who is promised to come and solve their greatest problem. Someone who would come as Adam and Eve's offspring. Jesus, the God-man, who was going to come and he was going to live the perfect life. The perfect life in perfect intimacy. The only one who'd ever not sinned and totally deserved that intimate relationship that we were created for. And he was going to come and he was then going to die in our place. He was going to wear our sin, the cause of our great gulf between us and the Father. And he was going to wear it all. And he was going to die the punishment for it, leaving it in the grave. And he was going to rise again. And he was going to come to us. And he was going to offer us his rightness, his righteousness. He was going to cover us and say, don't hide in the bushes. They're not going to cover you. Come and hide in me. And he offers us, if we believe in him, the opportunity to come in Jesus to the Father. See, this is the only way we can have our relationship restored, the intimacy we were made for. We can't pray any other way except for through Jesus because he is the only way that we can come to the Father. See, the real great tragedy um, of my friends who were praying and praying and praying was that they were no better or no worse than me. But they never knew if their prayers were heard And although they tried and tried and tried, in our pride, we can never pray enough to bridge that gulf. We can never do it. But I could go to my room and I could close my door and I could be in a moment in the presence of our Heavenly Father. Not because of me, but because of Jesus. Because I was hidden in Him. But there's another dynamic going on here. There's another voice in this story that we haven't seen yet. See, there was an enemy in that garden, an enemy who used his words to try and persuade Adam and Eve to disobey God, to go their own way. And it's a voice, perhaps, that you might also recognize. Because it's a voice that, if it fails to encourage us to be prideful and to try and earn our way back to God as if we could ever pray enough or impress him enough with our works to, to bridge that gap, which is nonsense... If and when we fail at that, he comes alongside us and he reminds us of of our failure. He condemns us. He accuses us. You don't pray as well as them. You said you were going to get up every morning this this week and spend some time with God. You've, You've made it twice. Might as well give up. Who comes alongside you when perhaps you've been really vulnerable and decided to pray out in a in a prayer meeting and all your words come out a bit jumbled. That doesn't sound very good. Should have let so-and-so pray it. Do you ever recognize that voice sneaking into your prayer life? Sneaking in alongside. That's the voice of an enemy who wants to distract us and keep our mind off the amazing work of what Jesus has done. See, when Jesus 
bridged that gap for us. When he provided us with a way to come hidden in him to the Father, he also defeated the enemy. See, it was said, the next few verses, God addressed to the enemy. And he promised that this one who was going to come was going to be one that the enemy would try to bruise his heel. And so he was allowed to do so at the cross. And yet at the cross, Jesus was the one who bruised the enemy's head. A fatal blow to the enemy who wants to condemn us. See, those words that come alongside you when you're wanting to seek God and wanting to to pray to him, those are the words of someone in their death throes. Yes, they sting. Yes, they're powerful. But it's a defeated enemy, and his time will soon come where he will be gone for good because Jesus has defeated him. But in the meantime, we need to arm ourselves. We need to recognize that, yeah, there's an enemy who wants to steal this from us, who wants to lie to us. And we need to preach to ourselves when we come in a morning gathering like this, when we get up to pray on our own times. We need to, to speak truth to ourselves. We need to be clear with our hearts when they get confused that we are loved by a Father who delights in us, who is thrilled to hear our voice. Like a parent who can recognize the, the, their child's voice in a playground, their cry, their laughter. That is how our Father recognizes our voice when we come to him. We've got to teach ourselves that. We've got to remind ourselves when we feel like we've messed up, when we feel like we've um, not prayed our best prayer, when we feel like all our words have jumbled up, we have to remind ourselves that doesn't matter because I'm clothed in Jesus. My performance is irrelevant because he has performed for me and now I can come to my father. It also helps us to reject the lies of the world and the sadness of other religions that, that say that you have to pray in a certain way in a certain place, wearing certain clothes, using certain things for a certain amount of time. The scandalous reality is that clothed in Jesus' righteousness, we can come anytime, anywhere, any place, which is amazing because it means that when we go about our our day-to-day work, we can pray to him on the bus and know the presence of the Father with us. We can pray to him in a busy office. We can shout help to him in a busy classroom. We can speak to him in a lecture hall. We can sneak off to the staff toilets and have a few moments with him. It's okay. And he is available and delighted to hear our voice. See, that is amazing. So we pray to a father who delights in us. We pray through Jesus. Not out of obligation, because he's done it all for us. But we can come right in. But if we're we're honest... Prayer can be hard still, can't it? It can feel hard work. And the good news is that there is help for us. Jesus is now seated at the right hand of the Father, and he is praying for us. He's interceding for us. That means that even in the point that you feel like you're messing up, he is praying for you. You might have slept through your alarm or pressed snooze. He hasn't. He's, he's praying for you. He's interceding with you. Not in a kind of grumpy looking down at you way, but in a way full of love and delight. And he sends his spirit to empower you, to give you strength. See, sometimes we just need strength to come honestly to God. That's what I needed in the kitchen the other week the Holy Spirit to come and help me to be honest with God about what was going on in my heart. 
And sometimes that comes with the courage to be honest about the sin that's going on in our heart. Because we need to bring that to him. He's the only one that we can pray, Father, forgive us, and who actually can. Who actually can wash us clean. We sometimes need to come to him and, and find that the Holy Spirit gives us courage for, for the week ahead. It's as if he orients our heart like a compass back to true north. He comes alongside us. He helps us not to doubt like Adam and Eve did. Helps us to believe the truth about how our Father delights in us and that we can ask him for anything. Gives us the courage, perhaps if that word about the chrysalis, if you resonate with that, we can want to hide. Adam and Eve did. But the Holy Spirit comes and calls us out comes and gives us courage to come to him through prayer. He can help us in those moments, but he can also help us in regular times, times that we set aside to meet with him. Um, One of the best times that I find to spend time with him, I love spending time in the mornings, but one of my most productive times of prayer is Monday evenings, because Monday I can guarantee that I will be grumpy that I will be stressed by work. I will want to spend either the evening working through, going overtime on a whole list of jobs, or want to totally check out and forget the world exists. So that is the time I need to come to him. And as I do, I find that he comes alongside me by his spirit. As I worship, Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. As he comes and meets my need to look to him again, to enjoy him again, to find energy and strength in him, then I also find he comes and guides me. He puts things on my heart that weren't there before. He directs my thoughts to things that weren't on my mind before. I find myself praying for stuff that I didn't think I even cared about. That's kind of how I ended up moving into St. Anne's in the first place, as a student praying in a student house in Lenton. And somehow found myself praying about this place called St. Anne's that I'd heard you shouldn't really go to. I don't really like inner cities. It's not necessarily my thing. But God suddenly started to work in my heart and I found myself breaking for this place, needing to kind of go on a little bike ride and cycle up and down the streets praying for it. That wasn't on my agenda. But it was on his agenda. That's what we mean when we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. He gives us his Holy Spirit to come alongside us and directors. I don't remember Hannah and Duncan talking about their ambitions to be Mancunians one day. <laughs> Pretty sure that might have been quite, quite far down on their list. But this is what happens when we come to God in prayer, not because we have to, but because we get to as his children and find his spirit scoop us up, offer to partner with us in his great mission. I guess it's kind of the equivalent of God chatting with Adam about where he was going to cite the zebras. What are you going to do? Where does God want to to draw us alongside? What adventures does he want to take us on? We might might think in in our weakness, what can I do and what can I even pray? We might even struggle to find the words. But Romans tells us that the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes with us with groanings too deep for words. He helps us to pray. 
He helps us to pray to him when we have no idea where to start. I wonder how you would like to grow in prayer. Not because you have to. You don't have to. There is no obligation. There is no special merit for growing in prayer. But because it's an expression of who we are. We are his children. We get to come into his presence. And as we do, we get to partner with him on his kingdom purposes. I wonder, bearing in mind that we know there's an enemy who would love to distract us and steal the joy that comes from partnering with him and connecting with him in prayer. Knowing that, in this moment, is there something that you want to commit to? Want to say, Jesus, I'd love to grow in prayer. Perhaps there's one thing that you could decide to do, one thing you could put in your diary. It might be joining the men's prayer here on a Tuesday morning. It might be joining the nation's prayer on the 5th of November. It might be coming along to the monthly city prayer. It might just be agreeing to meet with your housemates or your family and saying, let's have this time every week to pray. And I guarantee you will miss it sometimes and you will forget sometimes and you will sleep through sometimes and it will all go terribly sometimes. And the enemy will try to whisper condemnation to you. But we know that we don't get merit by what we do. Because Jesus has done that for us. And that empowers us to keep going and to keep pressing into the joy of prayer with our Heavenly Father. Look at the band. I wonder what one thing you would like to do. I know for me, I started, I could chat to you for ages over a cup of tea about how much I love the nations, but I didn't start going along to those prayer times for that reason. I went along because there were people there who I really admired their walk with God. And I wanted to learn to pray like they prayed. Perhaps there's someone you can think of now who you think, I'd love to have some time praying with them. Maybe I could text them before I leave this morning. Say, how about it? Cup of tea, biscuit. Let's spend some time praying to our Father. Want to stand? For many of us, our next step is just going to be that. But for, for others, you will know that there's something that you need prayer for this morning. There's something right now that you can put your finger on. It might be some provision that you need. It might be someone that you know is going through a terrible time and it's cutting you up inside. It might be provision for a job, for housing. It might be that just like me in the, sat in that kitchen, that you need a touch from heaven. Energy to get through the week. Energy to get through the day. Well, he is here by his spirit. He delights in you. He loves you so much. You can come to him confident. And he will meet with you because Jesus has made a way. If that's you, as we're just going to sing a song and I just invite you, if you know that you want to be prayed for this morning, then there's a space at the front. 
if you just want to come and stand, then people will quickly come alongside you and will be thrilled to pray with you. Because our God is here by his spirit and he empowers us in our weakness.